I'm Brandon Zerby and welcome to the Miles Sciences Weekly Podcast, where I bring you topics each week in fitness, nutrition, sleep, cognition, finance, and minimalism to help you become healthier and happier. This week I'm covering how I use training zones for performance and longevity. Let's get into it. I've improved my athletic performance and longevity biomarkers by minimizing high intensity workouts and training in zones. In December, I walked into LA Fitness and saw their featured hit studio. Each month, men's and women's health have new articles on interval training, and Instagram is filled with trending workout challenges. But most Olympians, professional athletes, and longevity experts are focused on boring old steady state cardio. The stationary bike and Stairmaster have new life. But that doesn't mean high intensity workouts should be omitted either. That's why the VDOT training program I'm following focuses on training zones, and maybe your program should too. What are the five training zones? How is my training programmed? And why is each zone important for performance and longevity? There are five training zones based upon exercise intensity. Typically, they're measured as a percentage of your maximum heart rate. And since maximum heart rate varies greatly between people, you'll preferably want to determine yours with a fitness test. Feel free to Google that if you're interested. But you can estimate your maximum heart rate by utilizing the equation 211 minus 0.64 times your age to get your HR max. Me being 30, this estimates my HR max at 191.8 beats per minute. Now let's get into each heart rate zone and how my training is allocated. Zone 1, 50 to 60% of your HR max. Zone 1 isn't so much training as it is avoiding a sedentary lifestyle. Walking, laundry, and taking out the garbage are examples of light activities. They'll raise your heart rate into the 50 to 60% HR max range of zone one. And it's where my beautiful treadmill desk fits into an active lifestyle. Typically, I spend over three hours a day walking at 1.7 miles per hour while at work. It's how I achieve over 25,000 steps per day on many occasions. And it's also led to office guests viewing me as a zoo animal, ooing and aahing as they pass. It's a great icebreaker. This light activity increases blood flow throughout the brain and body. Not only is zone one activity important for general health, as your fitness trackers move notifications remind you so often, but also for performance. Zone one can be viewed as the active recovery zone. This light activity enhances muscle healing and reduces muscle soreness. Typically, I avoid being sedentary for more than an hour at a time, and I'll break up those hours with at least five minutes of light activity. And the better I am with zone one activity, the better I feel both that day and the following day. If I have a hard workout and don't get any zone one work in the following day, the soreness lingers. Zone two, 60 to 70% of HR max. Zone two training is the Stairmaster your grandma bought back in the 70s. It's steady state cardio that you could perform for a couple of hours if you had to, if you had the time. It's not talked about much, but could be one of the most important training zones. This is where most athletes and longevity experts spend their time. Since zone 2 is to be performed for over 30 minutes, it requires an energy system to sustain it. This energy system is the aerobic energy system. It primarily oxidizes fat for energy. The goal of zone 2 training is to perform maximal exertion while primarily utilizing the aerobic fat oxidizing energy system. For untrained individuals, this means steady state cardio where your heart rate is maintained in the 60 percentile of your maximum heart rate. For highly trained individuals, this may creep into zone three training nearing 80% of your max. A good measure of this training zone is that you can hold a conversation while training, but it's slightly uncomfortable, and you can maintain this for over an hour. 
When I was researching athletic training plans, I was surprised by how much athletes focus on zone 2 training. Olympic runners not only in the 10k, but even in the 5k, the 1 mile, and the 800 meter events using zone 2 for much of their work. Fat provides significantly more energy than stored carbs. Therefore, becoming efficient and utilizing fat with the aerobic energy system is fundamental for performance. It allows you to sustain a higher level of output without the buildup of lactate, which signals fatigue. Efficiency with this energy system is paramount for metabolic health too. After months or years of zone 2 training, your cells will slowly restructure. The mitochondria will move closer to the cell wall and oxidize fat more efficiently. In many cases, this is the training that will reduce insulin resistance and reverse symptoms of diabetes. My current training plan calls for nearly 3 hours of zone 2 training per week. Ideally, you'll want to spread this over at least 4 days. And on my website, there's a link in the show notes for that, you can see all my easy training, both running and rowing throughout the week. Zone 3, 70-80% of HR max. I won't cover Zone 3 as exhaustively as Zone 2. Like I mentioned, for trained individuals, a lot of the same benefits from Zone 2 apply. Trained individuals have created such efficiency with their aerobic energy system that they can sustain higher levels of output. Their heart rates will be in the 70-80% of HR max range. But for most, the intensity of zone 3 will demand more immediate energy than the capabilities of the fat oxidizing system. The body will transition towards the glycolytic energy system. This system utilizes carbohydrates in the form of glucose to generate energy instead of fat. While not as efficient as generating sustained energy, it's efficient at meeting immediate energy needs. Zone 4, 80-90% of HR max. Let's jump to zone 4 where all individuals will primarily be utilizing this glycolytic energy system. This system provides energy for short bursts of high intense activity. While the body has days worth of energy and fat, it only contains around 400 to 700 grams of stored carbohydrates. These don't last nearly as long. And the burning of glucose through this system creates lactate as a byproduct. Lactate buildup in the body is associated with fatigue. But training at this intensity will develop our glycolytic energy system. It'll help with lactate clearance and performance at higher lactate levels. It also help increase VO2 max. Typically my threshold runs will have me in this training zone. As seen in my training plan on the website, I'm cycling between running 1000 meters or 1 mile and about 4 or 7 minutes respectively with a minute rest. My heart rate is in this 80-90% to 90% training zone and I'm currently doing this training around twice a week for a total of 45 minutes. Zone 5, 90-100% to 100% of HR max. Lastly, there's zone 5 training. This is where your heart rate rises above 90% and gets near its maximum rate. Depending on your type of training, the ATP-PC energy system will be utilized more. ATP-PC stands for adenosine triphosphate phosphocreatine. I didn't know that, but I just looked it up. This energy system provides bursts of energy for up to 20 seconds. It's an energy that's available on tap but runs out quickly. This is where high intensity interval training comes in. It can be used to develop power and speed. It's become trendy because more calories are burned during zone 5 training with less exercising compared to zone 2. So many people think you can get more benefits in less time. But as discussed, this training omits the benefits gained from creating efficiency in the aerobic energy system. That's why it's best to train in multiple zones for a greater breadth of benefits. For me, this will be all my interval and repeat runs. I'll be incorporating more of these into my training plan as the phases advance. But I do run strides a few days a week. Strides are 100 meter near sprints that last around 15 seconds. I'll do around 6 of these in a training session with little rest in between. And I should note that these 3 energy systems are all in use at once. It's not like one system shuts down during a different zone of training. They all work together, but are utilized in different proportions based upon energy demands. So here are my final thoughts. 
Detailing the three energy systems makes it easier to understand the importance of training in each area. This is the case for both performance and longevity. If I only walked on my treadmill desk all day, I wouldn't see much improvement in my ability to run a 5K or maintain power and speed with age. If I only ran 100 meters strides, I wouldn't recover well or increase my metabolic and cardiovascular health. And while I don't think everyone needs to be on a performance-oriented training program like my VDOT running plan, I see many benefits of training multiple zones. It could be as simple as doing a 45-minute zone 2 biking session with a few intervals at the end four times a week. Something like this, while limiting sedentary periods, would be great for performance and longevity too. Thanks for joining me on the My Health Sciences Weekly Podcast, where I bring you topics to improve your health and happiness through sustainable, evidence-based, healthy habit change. If you'd like to receive weekly updates on the three most important things I've read, watched, and listened to within the past week, sign up for the My Health Sciences Weekly Newsletter. Those on this list will never miss any of the latest and most important information that I share about health and happiness. Thanks again, and I look forward to talking with you again next week.